You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. The community of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost points to God's intention for humanity. God extended the perfect community that's existed from eternity past when he created mankind in his own image. Despite the fact that Adam and Eve broke that perfect community between humanity and God with their sin, God made a way for it to be restored through Jesus. The call of the church is to be a community that points people towards the possibility of redemption, reconciliation, and restoration between each other and God. That's our focus today as we look at communion and community. You know, the Bible is a complex book, and anyone who tells you different is probably trying to sell you a new version of it, but I think uh, if we're honest, there are certain things that we encounter in the Bible that, that are just hard to wrap our heads around. Um, sometimes we might read something and we say, well, I think I get it, and then we read something else within the Bible and we feel like maybe we don't get it after all. Um, and I think it's, it's honest to say that, yeah, we, we trust that, hey, this is, this is God's written word. He's inspired it. He's given it to us. It's not just a book that we read from cover to cover, but we trust that the Holy Spirit's at work within us and within the words of these pages as we read it. But that doesn't always help because doing a simple cursory reading of the Bible um, doesn't always bring clarity to us. Uh, we, may, we might struggle. And like I said, there are different things within Scripture that, that we might say, yeah, I don't really understand. I mean, if you want to read the second part of the book of Daniel, uh, that's a great example. Or the second part of the book of Revelation um, with, you know, monsters with lots of eyes and all kinds of wings and stuff like that. You start saying, okay, I'm not really sure uh, what John was smoking at the time when he read that. Um, you know, and there are things, concepts in, theologically within the Bible that um, even though they're not necessarily explicit to what we read in the pages of Scripture, they're implicit there. Uh, one of those things is what we have come to know within the church um, as the Trinity, um, that uh, the concept that there are three persons in uh, one God even though you know, one of the criticisms in, in the early church was that uh, in a culture that was polytheistic, where they had multiple gods, both Greeks and Romans together in that early ancient world, uh, that Christians came and they believed in a monotheistic theology, believing that there was only one God, and yet it got more confusing because they say, we believe in one God, three persons in that one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even though uh, they're... There's never an explicit mention of that idea of Trinity. We can see throughout the pages of Scripture that the Trinity exists, that, that God is three distinct persons. Uh, he is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Spirit. And that distinctness is that the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Father. And, and likewise. And now it's as clear as mud for us, right? And we can fully grasp that and understand it. It's kind of hard for us to understand that from eternity past and into eternity that is coming, God 
was, God is, and God always will be, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. And that who existed, uh, God in the three persons, is the community of God together. Some theologians, as they've wrestled with this idea of three persons in one, have used a Greek word called perichoresis, which you can kind of liken it to a dance. And some of us aren't very good dancers. Others of us might be. Um, If we've ever watched dancers who are graceful and move together, you see that there's a unity in their movement. And that same thing can be said of the community of God, that within the Godhead, the three persons of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's an understanding and there's a a mutuality there that they move together. And it was in that community that existed from eternity past that God created, uh, and specifically He created humanity in order to uh, duplicate in some ways the community, that perfect community that existed from eternity past within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. We see this and we see some of that language that implies this idea of a trinity when we read the first chapter of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, says this, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And there, the author of Genesis is using plural language, but then we move to verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And, and we see this interchangeability just within those two verses that God is referring to himself as us and we, but also into he as well. As well. And then in Genesis 2, we see that Adam in community is in community with God. That God creates, and out of all the things that God creates, there's only one in all of His creation that's created in His image. And that community that exists within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God extends beyond Himself and says, now this communion and community that has only existed between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will now be extended to humanity having been created in the image of God. And in Genesis chapter 2, verses 20, we read this. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I, I can't help but think about a Bob Dylan song every time I sing that, or read that verse, man gave names to all the animals. If you haven't heard it, then look it up after. Don't watch it during the sermon. I mean, it's okay. But um, God created Adam and realized that even as he extended that community behind, beyond himself to humanity, there was still something missing. And God created, just a few verses later, Eve as a helpmate, as as a completion for Adam. 
that he said that even Adam, that community with God, he needed something else. He needed community with someone who was like him. And God created Eve. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, we read this. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. And there in these first chapters of Genesis, we see that the community of God that existed was extended to humanity and the, the desire, the intention of God was that that unity and community and community, communion would be not only between God and, him, and humanity, but also between humanity itself. That God created Adam and Eve not so that they could bicker and argue with one another, but so that there could be unity, there could be oneness together. The unity and community of God is extended to Adam and Eve, having been created in the image of God. And, and for a short time, we don't know exactly how long, but it's only a chapter within our Bibles, for a short time, they enjoy that perfect community with one another and with God. You know, some of us might feel like we've been there before, right? Like we enjoy that perfect communion with, with our spouses and then something happens um, and we're no longer enjoying that perfect communion and community with our spouses. God created with the intention that that perfect community within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit extended to humanity would be between himself and humanity and between all of humanity and Adam and Eve messed it up. <laughs> that communion, that community, and God's intention for that community was broken. We see that just one chapter later when Adam and Eve chose to not just hear the words of the serpent, but actually heed the words of the serpent that they heard. And a few weeks ago, if you were with us or if you joined online and listened to the message, um, you know we talked about this idea that sin had a butterfly effect. That the butterfly effect is where something seemingly small and insignificant makes a much larger and impactful uh, difference in the long run. Sin had an impact and something seemingly small, a decision made by Adam and Eve, didn't just impact Adam and Eve, it impacted their children and their children's children, and on and on and on, and it impacted all of creation as well. You see, the perfect community that God had modeled for humanity through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was broken by Adam and Eve. And as much as God might have said, whoops, or he might have said, well, you know, that's broken. Let me cut my losses and step away. God didn't say that. God wasn't surprised by that. God knew and he had a better way to restore community once again, to restore communion and community between himself and humanity and humanity together. At the heart of restored community is both unity together with each other and unity with God. If we are simply seeking unity between ourselves, then we're looking for incomplete community and incomplete communion. 
If we're simply looking for unity between us and God and failing to see the importance of the community and communion together with one another, then we're seeking incomplete community as well. There's a both end to communion and community. God didn't say, hey, I just want you to be good with me. That's important and that's part of it. But he said, I want you to be part of that perfect communion with me and with each other. It's a tall task for us. As followers of Christ, though, that's what we're called to. We're called to be seeking that restoration, that reconciliation, that redemption in our vertical relationship, the the relationship in communion and community with God, and in our horizontal relationships, the relationships that we have with one another. As God's agents in this world, the church should be seeking to be about the restoration of that perfect community that was modeled for us between God and man and between mankind themselves. When we individualize the Christian journey, it makes it seem like our main focus needs to be just me and God. You know, hey, me and God, we're great. Like, Jesus is my best friend, yeah. It's it's more than that. Yes, that's an important aspect of communion and community, but we cannot neglect our need for communion and community together with one another. God did not create us to be alone, but to be together. And being together in community um, means communion and community with one another. We were made for community, and our lives as Christians should be in pursuit of helping ourselves and helping others to pursue that restoration in their relationships with one another, and their relationships with God. Here's the thing about that, though. It takes time. I do not do waiting well. In fact, I don't know who does waiting well, but I certainly am probably top of the list of people who absolutely hate to wait. I mean, I, I'm always asking myself, what am I missing while I'm wasting time, you know, in whatever line I've managed to choose at the time? Uh, and to boot, we live in a culture where we have this expectation of immediacy and immediate results. You know, I, I was thinking about it this week, and I'm like, goodness, some of us are old enough to have experienced the awful pain of dial-up internet. Right? Like, those of you who have been there before, like, you know what I'm talking about. Listening to that, right? And you're just wondering, like, will I have mail, right? AOL. And and what other things might be waiting for me? Now, if we click on a website and it doesn't show up like that, we're like, what's wrong? My computer's broken. I I need a new phone because it's not coming up like this. And we're all guilty. I mean, if you're not guilty of it, talk to me later and tell me your secret. Because like, I think we just are expecting this immediate results and it somehow or another, it pervades into every aspect of our lives, including this kind of idea of communion and community. And we think that somehow or another, things that are important and essential in our lives, we can somehow fast track and make happen like immediately. If somehow or another you have found a secret to immediate community, then again, by all means, talk to me afterwards because I'd love to hear 
how somehow or another you've created this perfect unity and community together with another human being and you've done it really fast. To be honest with you, I don't think that good things happen really quickly. I think that some of the best things that we can experience as as human beings are things that take time. You know, there's a reason why as Jesus in his three years of earthly ministry that we read about within the Gospels over and over again, we see these ideas of, of like agricultural examples that he uses. You know, talk to a farmer, talk to anybody who spends any time planting things and sowing and reaping and growing things. They will tell you that those things don't happen fast. There are seasons of that. And as we encounter that, as we look at some of the things that God calls us to, including communion and community, we have to ask ourselves, do we trust that God's timing is perfect? Even when it seems out of sync of our own. You know, some of us think we, hey, we're an intelligent bunch here, I'm sure. You know, some of us have been well-educated and either in life or in school or whatever it might be. So I have no doubt that we could come up with a lot of really good things on our own. But the problem becomes that sometimes when we have that self-sufficiency, we forget about the God-sufficiency. We forget that, that, that it's God's timing that's perfect in things. And we have a hard time waiting on Him. You think about the history that we read in Scripture of Adam and Eve. They, they fell and hundreds, thousands of years later, you know, the Noah's Ark happens and God wipes out uh, a lot of creation. And then there's a system of, of sacrifice, there's a system of law that's set up, that's created, that, that God's people have to continue to step into that over and over again. I mean, can you even imagine what that was like living in that time? You know, it wasn't, you know, again, this culture of immediacy. We're like, hey, I sinned. I'm going to go pray now and, and confess my sins to God. Well, it wasn't that easy in that system of law and sacrifice. Like, let's go get a goat and then let's watch the priest slaughter it and see this whole bloody mess that's happening in front of me. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that, that was like a PG kind of approach towards things. But they lived with that for thousands of years. Did that mean that God didn't have a perfect plan? No. Sometimes I think we need that God allows us to be in these moments of having to wait and wait because when we finally come out of it, we really appreciate just what it is that we have. We appreciate that as much as we might like immediacy, we want to click on websites and have them show up right away, or, or we want to click on friendships and have them be perfect and unified. We want our family to all be great and loving, that those things take time. And it's hard for us. Rarely have I ever found that worthwhile things happen quickly. In her book, Community That is Christian, Julie Gorman, she says this. She says, real community takes submission and commitment as well as intentionality and time. 
We cannot achieve real community without those four things. Submission, commitment, intentionality, and time. And she starts with the one that I'm sure all of us love to hear. Like, like who? Oh, yeah, I love submission. That's a great word. No. But she says that that's what community is. In order for us to really experience that, we need submission and we think about real community between us and God and between each other. That means submission to God and submission to one another. That means commitment to God, commitment to one another. That means intentionality with God, intentionality with one another. It means time with God and time with one another. We can't achieve real community without those things. And she goes on to say, we do not allow for the time needed to connect with one another and for the God-focused time that positions us to receive each other. So how, how are you at waiting? Now, how are you when it comes to things not coming quickly, when you see that circle of death on your screen and wonder, when is this ever going to load? How are you relationally when you have to wait through things? When things don't get something that's, or people don't get something that's like naturally showing up in your brain and you're like, what are you, thick? Come on. How are we at waiting? Are you taking time with things? Or are you taking time with people? I didn't say it's easy. By, by no means. As God calls us towards Himself, He's given us the gift of each other. And some days, some moments, we say, oh yes, you are a gift to me. And other days, we have other words that I probably shouldn't say here about what we think about each other. But we cannot do it on our own. I always marvel when I read through church history and all these, these desert fathers who went out into the middle of nowhere and they're like, yeah, I'm growing for Jesus. And I'm like, it's because you're alone the whole time. Like, you're not interacting with anybody or you've taken a vow of silence. Like, it's really hard to sin when you can't talk to anybody, right? But when we have to interact with one another, like we can be both a gift and not so much so. But you see, Christianity is not about rules and rituals. It's about heart transformation and moving towards Jesus. And that process of heart transformation can't happen without the Holy Spirit and can't happen without each other. God uses us to help each other. So, you know, next time that, you know, someone starts getting annoyed with you, you can just look at them and say, well, God put me here for you, right? That part of the reason why you interact with one another is because God is using us to shape and to mold each other in communion and community. Robert Banks, who's written about community as well, he, he goes so far as to say that, that the Holy Spirit's work is not an individual work. He says, union in the Spirit involved union with one another, for the Spirit was primarily a shared, not individual experience. The gospel is not a purely personal matter. It has a social dimension. It's a communal affair. The gospel message that God created man, sinned, Christ made a way, and we respond back to God to come back to Him. That message is about redemption. It's about restoration. It's about reconciliation. Those, that reconciliation and redemption between God and man and between us and each other. 
And through that, when Jesus came and accomplished what He accomplished on the cross, He created a new community. When Jesus ascended into heaven, He breathed on the people. And when He breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. And in that became this new community of people pressing towards reconciliation with God and with one another. You read through the book of Acts and you see that. And it was by no means easy. There was trouble. There was persecution. There was difficulty. Community isn't easy. Communion isn't easy. But Robert Banks goes on to say, to embrace the gospel then is to enter into community. A person cannot have one without the other. This idea of a gospel community, a a community that is being shaped and formed. We're called to community and called to communion together with God and with one another. The dictionary definition of communion is intimate fellowship or rapport. Uh, Everyone's talking about chat uh, GP and all these AI things on, and it, it's it is kind of scary if you you know. We, I was talking to my boys the other day about how I feel like I'm living in the Terminator in some ways. I'm waiting for the machines to take over. Um, but you know, curiosity always gets the best of me, and I decide you know I'm going to go on chat and 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 see what what you know what's all this fuss about. And so I'm like, okay, well you know, okay, let's see how good you really are, AI. Uh, what do you think about um, about communion and fellowship? And so I just typed in a couple of things to see what's it going to give me. And what does it say when I said, you know, tell me about communion or fellowship? It said, it's about people coming together to achieve common goals, share experiences, and create a sense of unity or camaraderie. And at that point, I decided that all my sermons in the future will be written by chat. TPT. No, no, just, just kidding. But, but I thought to myself, you know what? You, you know, there's something to that. You know, there are four things that, that it told me that, co- that communion and community and fellowship are about. Coming together to achieve common goals, to share experiences, and create a sense of community or unity or camaraderie together. Isn't that what the picture of what the church is called to be? To be an organization that, that is coming together to achieve common goals. And that common goal is what we've talked about. This idea of reconciliation between us and God and each other. That we share experiences together and that we create a sense of unity and camaraderie together. You know, are you going to find churches that have better preaching and better music and better lights and better smoke and all that? Absolutely. You know, you want to, if that's what you're looking for, then hey, you know, go out and look at it. But if you want to find a place that's coming together to achieve common goals, to share experiences and create a sense of unity, that's what we're pressing into here at the branch. We want to say, hey, how can we do that and how can we do that together? How can we really live out what God has called His church to be? If our common goal is to spread the redemptive message of the cross of Jesus Christ to all who need to hear it, which, let's face it, that's all of us, then what does that look like for us? What does it look like in our day-to-day? We can't just be showing up on Sundays and saying, hey, I got my fill. It's like my spiritual gas station, you know. And then I leave and then I, until I have to get a refill again. 
No, if you're anything like me, which I don't want to project that onto you, but, you know, Lord knows one of me is enough for this world. But, like, if, if you're anything or have any struggles like me, then you know that filling up once a week just ain't enough. Like, I need that daily filling. I need to keep coming back to Jesus. You know, Jesus and coffee. But, yeah, Jesus. Over and over and over again. This is why we as a community of the branch think it's important for us together to move towards community. How do we do that? Why are we doing what we're doing as we move into September with these groups in people's homes? It's because we feel like this is important. That we need to come together to achieve common goals, to share experiences and to create a sense of unity or camaraderie together. And this is why we're encouraging people to be part of it. It's not so we can be trendy. It's not so we can be cool. It's not so that we can take another night out of the week and say, hey, do churchy things. Like, I believe, and we can see it again, read through the book of Acts. Like, Jesus is present, you know, whether we're singing Jesus songs or reading Jesus books or not, the Holy Spirit's there. Jesus even said, where two or three of you are gathered, there I am also. He didn't say gathered for what. It's just a gathering because when we come together with this intent to achieve the common goal of spreading the message of restoration and redemption to other people so that they know that there is a way to achieve that, then God is present with us. And that's what we want to be about as a community here at the branch. So what do we do with all this? Questions to ask ourselves. <clears throat> I encourage you, you know, if you want to take a screen uh, picture of these questions that you'll process throughout the week. But <clears throat> what does community look like to you? You know, we are all experiencing community in some way, shape, or form. We do it in our schools, we do it in our jobs, we do it in our neighborhoods, in different associations. Whatever it is, there's community that we're experiencing. But what does it look like to you? How do you define it? What are some of the things that, that you see in it? And then ask yourself, as we talk about this community that I'm laying out today, what scares you about it? You know, don't, and if you tell me that nothing scares you about it, I'll tell you you're a liar. Because there's something about community that's scary for all of us. If you're an introvert, you're like, oh, heck no. Like, I'm not going to open that door. Uh-uh. And if you're, you know, not an, if you're an extrovert like me who just talks nonstop, then you're also like, is everyone going to hate me because I never shut up? I mean, there's something that scares us about community. What is it? At the same time, what is it that excites you about community or the possibility? What possibilities about what God could do in community excites you? If I really saw God get loose and really start seeing us press into community, what would that look like? How excited would I be? And then the practical thing, what, thing do you, what one thing do you hope God will do in community? You know, what desire do we have? What's our, our goal for it? And hey, you know, it might be somewhat selfish at times. You might say, I just, I just need someone to hear me and to talk. I need someone to actually care if I'm here or if I'm not. 
Like, don't feel like, oh, I can't say that I'm excited about that or that I hope for that because I'm afraid it's not, you know, Christian enough. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, because God can take those things that might somewhat seem somewhat selfish to begin with, and he can change and transform our heart. But if we're not going to be honest about it, like, there's no way he's going to be able to transform that. The only way that God can do any kind of transformation is if we pull that thing out of the closet and we lay it before him and say, hey, you know what, right or wrong, pure or impure, like this is what I got, God. And so ask yourself, what, God, this is one thing that I would love to see happen. As I press into community, and what would that look like? You know, this is a long haul thing. You know, I have to remind myself every single Monday morning when I wake up that we're doing it all over again. <laughs> you know, that we wake up and we're like, okay, we're still pressing into this. We're still pushing in, and, and I don't think it happens overnight. But you know what? I mean, some of you I've sat down, and, and we've talked about your strengths. Others I'm still waiting for. But nonetheless, I know that all of you are gifted, and I really believe that God's brought all of us together for such a time as this. That God's brought these people together in this place at this time so that God can do a work through this crew. Um, And we can be about this work, this work of community, this work of communion, bringing that message to the people that we interact with on a daily basis. Let me pray for us. Father, you are greater and bigger than I could even imagine, than all I could ask or even think. God, some of us might have small pictures of you in our head. Some of us might have giant pictures of you in our head and everything in between. But God, you are the one who created all of this. You created us. And you created us in your image to pursue communion and community together. You are great. And so, Father, I pray that as we seek to be your community as we seek to build community that god you would remind us that we can't push it along god we've got to go at the pace that you go so holy spirit may we be in step with you may we be in sync with you father sometimes that's painful sometimes that's difficult but god we trust you we love you in that And so, Father, I pray that your will would be done in us and through us as a community. God, may we see you get loose. May the message of restoration and redemption, that Jesus came, he he died, he rose again, that we might be restored to you and to one another, that that message would be a message that we bring into every place that we go every moment of every day, that we don't just sequester it to Sundays, but God, that we are about that restoration, redemption and reconciliation in the everyday moments of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
The church is called to come together to achieve common goals, share experiences, and create a sense of unity and community through Jesus Christ. How are we living that out? What does the community that we are a part of look like? Are we pursuing the community that God intends? It might be scary, it might be exciting, it might be both at the same time. God calls us to do it together with Him and with each other. I hope you'll consider these things in the community that God has led you to as you continue to walk on your journey of faith. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.